Welcome to Dorks on Sports, a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My name is Daniel, joined as always, uh, Curtis Eastwood. How's it going over there, Curtis? I'm feeling pretty well. Yeah, you look, yeah. You look well. Hey, you're, rocking your, uh, you're rocking your throwback jersey. Throwback 12. I like it. it always. Are you are you rocking that because uh, this team looks a lot like those teams in the 90s? No, I just decided that I need to sort of I, I need to get back to my roots as a senior. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, this is no, it looks this, good. Is, this is this is this has been a fun, you know, Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson era. Um, but you know, I uh, we're in rocky waters right now, so I just gotta I just gotta I just gotta dig deep. I like it. You so, you got to find that the 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 core of the that reason why I was a spirit. Seahawks fan. That's right. Hard back in the eighties, and I yeah. suffered through it in the nineties, and then got <laughs> yeah, fun in the two thousands, and so yeah, I just need to dig deep. I'm digging deep. I like it. No, looks good on you. Yeah, Alana, you. how are you doing over there? I'm doing all right. I had a rough night last night. For those who don't know, we were planning on recording right after the game, but. I, got, I had a meeting right before this meeting and it, I got like torn to shreds. Uh, and so the it, Seahawks are getting torn to shreds and yeah, Alana was getting torn to shreds. Totally. And I That's was not, like, it was not a great night last night. It wasn't. And no, and we ended it with a, an episode and a half of we're here and I wept and like, that was, that was good for the soul. <laughs> so then you got your catharsis. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, and you're here now. Yeah. We're 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 gonna we're gonna talk about some Seahawks and get some catharsis ourselves. Millie, how are you doing over there? I'm there, thanks. Yeah, good. How's the fantasy team? I was just gonna say it finally happens. Miracle miracles. Mm -hmm. I finally uh, won a game in my Folger fantasy league. So um, I mean, I think I'm still in 12th place, but. The streak has ended. The eight-game losing streak has ended for me. Um, so that's something I've got on the Seahawks. Oh no! <laughs> and yeah. um, and of course, my dominating dynasty team won again. So you of know, course. I've still only is, lost one game all season, which means I am better than I think all leagues in the NFL. Is your dynasty? Is that the one? Do you have pocket locket? I do not. I have oh, pocket okay. in my Folger League, and I was really torn about benching him because I, I have here and there. Usually I'm right. And uh, I had Terry McLaurin as well. And I, out of love and the fact I'm in 12th position, I was just like, I can't do it. Terry's on the bench. Lockett's in. We had okay in. fantasy numbers, right? What's that? He had okay fantasy numbers. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he got poorly. what he had a touchdown and around 100 yards. He must have, right? He had three catches for 96 yards, I think. Yeah, that's not bad. Not that I'm keeping fancy numbers, count, but yeah, I'm double checking all of this, of course. But Lockett's it better, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> my Lockett's one of the only ones like doing some great work on that team still. He got some flack about what he said last week. It was like he was breaking ranks or something, saying, you know, we, we, we're in a little trouble. He just doesn't have any filter. <laughs> I, well, listen, he, he was saying what we can all see. I mean, right. <laughs> you know. He's just, he's just cutting loose with the truth. It was... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, so let's get into this because uh, here's the Hawks. Throwing the whole coaching staff under oh, the Oh, boy. So Seahawks are on a losing skid. Russell Wilson maybe came back a little too early. Um, you know, he started looking like uh, he was making the kinds of throws Russell was making, and maybe this was going to be the game he could, he could you know, kind of turn around and be that Russell Wilson we've come to know and love and rely on. And uh, he wasn't, um, he's making the same mistakes. He, here's the thing. He, I, I, he, he can, I don't know. I don't think that finger is the issue because he's making some of those throws that he can normally make. He, he's, he can still fire it downtown. He can still fire it with authority. Um, the problem is he's making bad decisions and he's uncharacteristically missing wide open targets. And mm-hmm. that may be the finger or, I don't know, has Russell Wilson lost his mojo? I mean, Curtis, what do you think? I've been, my mantra uh, over the past week has been something that I heard Mark Slareth say on uh, local sports radio 710 a week ago. Um, when asked about the situation in Seattle. And I think he was trying to sort of steadily kind of bring up the coaching. And he was saying, you know, that from what he's heard um, league-wide through a lot of the top-end coaches that he's talked with, um, but there's a saying out there that that, that great coaching is about um, – putting players in position to not fail. Yeah. And so uh, when I look at Russell Wilson and uh, I've been a huge fan of his uh, ever since his rookie year and actually dating back to his senior year in Wisconsin um, because he was fun to watch in college. uh, You know, he is probably the uh, preeminent play action passer in the league but if you don't have a run game you can't play action pass right um and the only other thing that i can say um confidently that he does uh probably tops of the league is throw on the run and go up tempo so i think a question has to be asked um and you know, with what the deal is with Russell Wilson, are they asking him to do the things that he does best as a player to help this team win? And I think that's a very fair question to ask. Yeah, I think um, that's absolutely a fair question to ask. And, and, and having him, having him in, and, and a perfect example of this is, is, is in this game in Washington, uh, running Alec Collins up the middle Uh, And you've got your backup center playing left guard and your starting center isn't very good. And neither one of them are very good players. And you're going against probably the most single dominant defensive tackle rotation in the league. And they snuff out the run play up the middle and then they run it again. And all of a sudden, It's well, like and not it's even third like and in- ten, and they have Russell in the pocket against these just ferocious interior pass rushers yeah. that are stunting, and they're just ragdolling his offensive linemen. And yeah, 
he he goes he goes wild on an outside pass and he's not accurate with it so you can you can blame russ for not being accurate but you can also kind of go you can also sort of dig deeper and you can ask the question was russ put in the best position to win on third and long on that particular right. play right was the play calling helping him so I think that there's, I think there's definitely issues with Russ. Russ. This is not the same magical Russell Wilson that we're all used to seeing that we've watched for the last 10 years, but is he being helped by the coaches? I, I, I don't, I mean, I think that's a fair question to ask. Alana, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I think that the, the, the play calling um, for I, whatever the miscommunication is between Walter and Carroll. And I think that there is some miscommunication. And I think that it is probably also related to the number of coaches that Pete keeps on staff. Um, there are, I agree with what Curtis said last week. There are too many cooks in the kitchen. The only thing that we're seeing that Russ does well, the only thing we're seeing him do is the deep ball. Like, right. And it's like, it's almost like they think that that's the way out is by right. getting Russ to throw those moonshots that he will come back to normal. And like those moonshots, some of the prettiest parts of football is watching Russell throw just like into the stratosphere, have it come down into baby pocket lockets arms where he can recite a poem to the football and run to the end zone. Like that's, <laughs> that's the dream football for me. Um, but you're, he's absolutely right. There's no play action because we lost Carson uh, for the season and Collins is doing what he can, but Collins is, I guess a little spent and they're trying to run against defenses that know we're going to run and know where we're going to run. Yeah, They're not the getting problem. them out. Go ahead. Yeah. I, the, with the run game, it's like, it's not only like, are we just kind of like running it up to middle, but they're these uninspired play calls. Like yeah. we've seen from Waldron. I mean, we saw this on the Rams, but we've seen this on the Seahawks. We've seen these like really cool jet sweeps and the kinds of things that, that they can do to manufacture some space to get these running backs to run. And when Alex Collins gets something like that, he can rip it off for 18 yards. But for where sure. was that last week? Right. I, and then it's baffling. It shows up in wrinkles. And then, it shows up in wrinkles whenever, whenever Russ is allowed as uh, afforded to go up tempo and hurry up mode, Russ can make the audibles that he did it. They happened. It happened last night in, in yeah. the first half. At the end of the you game. Know? Yeah. You know, it's like, it. it's just, I feel like it's when the it's when they're trying to play a slow, you know, methodical sort of half court style of offense is when it's just like the defenses can can just can just tee off on that. And we we talked for 10 years about how Russell was best as a backyard football player. Right. Like or a playground. Totally. And improvising. Uh, getting out of tackles or throwing on the run, like you said, Curtis. And we're not seeing that. They're not giving him that opportunity to improvise because we're faced with third and 14s all the time. And uh, Millie, go ahead. Well, you know, there's a couple of things that I'm, I think I'm disagreeing. Sometimes it's hard to tell. Let's hear um, on, And one of them is I'm not seeing any slow methodical football happening i'm seeing us in my mind uh trying to do almost that that two minute offense because he's so good at it right away and as a result our defense 
is on the field the entire game because it's not working. So it's just all these three and outs, or maybe we get a first down, but we're out on the next one. And because it's being done at this, at this quick pace, we're not eating any of the clock. We're not getting any rest to a defense that is, I think at this point, playing better than expectations after how they looked in the first part of the season. And so while I respect that, it used to seem like, yeah, when we got into that two minute drill mindset, it was just see at the other end of the field, baby, but that's not happening this season. And mm-hmm. so we're just forcing things left and right. And it's, it's not going anywhere. And then we're off the field and then back comes the defense. And yeah, the fourth quarter of every game, that defense is so gassed. It doesn't matter what they yeah. did or how They're well playing. they did didn't do it. They got no, they got nothing left in the tank. They're playing like, that- Eighty. They're playing like eighty plays a game. It's absurd. It's, it's, and, it's stupid. It, and, there's no. There's they no played complimentary so remarkably. Football. They played so remarkably yesterday. That defense was mm-hmm. outstanding. They gave up seventeen points on eighty plays. That's, yeah. There is no. That is un. That is amazing. It's like the same thing they did to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay exactly, Packers. Exactly. Exactly. They look great. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's really frustrating because, you know, uh, in the first part of the season, it's not like the offense was dominant, like it was the, the first part of last season, but they were still averaging like 26 points a game or something like that. Like that's a respectable, uh, uh you know, number, um, in the end, I still got a lot of issues with well. the defense, uh, to be perfectly oh, sure. honest. There, well, there's, yeah. still, there's still some holes in the zone and things like that. There's, um, there's, and they're dropping D linemen into coverage. And they're dropping it's, D linemen. It's, the dumbest, it's the dumbest. They just need to throw that out of the whole scheme. It's dumb. Dropping Brian Monet uh, you know, 10 yards deep, and he's trying to, like, you know, like, well, who's, I mean, Eddie third string quarterback is going to look at that and go I'm like oh i know i'm going with the ball now yeah well <laughs> before we move on i just want to uh give a shout out to the best play of the game which was uh rasheem green blocking that punt and uh and and taking it all the way down for two points that, uh, number one you that's just the one of the rarest plays in the first football. time that's ever happened uh where he blocked it recovered it and returned it uh, i loved it and then seeing yeah. a big man do it um yeah. you know uh, I wanted to give a shout out to anything else about the loss was that 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 play goes in a losing effort that stinks. Yeah. Well, and that um that stupid uh um uh onside kick penalty onside kick penalty. Uh, I mean, that would have been a great story if uh you know if he had just lined up three inches uh over the hash and then we would have recovered it and maybe got that field goal. But okay. You know, that's just kind of the snake bit uh, season the Seahawks have been having. And now we have to uh, play the San Francisco 49ers next week. And I have to say, I think that I I know that a lot of people are calling for Carol to go, for Schneider to go, for Wilson to go. I don't understand why we're not looking at it from the through the lens of good teams have bad seasons. There are it. I feel like it's even though we don't have an identity on offense. We don't have an identity on defense. We're a good special teams team. We still very well could be eight and three. Like the games that we lost, we lost because of circumstance and maybe some poor planning in specific situations, but not outright bad planning. When you have a defense on the field for three consecutive games, 
for over 70 plays where the, the time of possession is dominate. The other team is dominating the time of possession and we're holding teams to 15, 17, 20 points. Like that's a re- that that's desperation, but it's also potentially a recipe for success. We could have won that game last night. We could have won last week against Arizona. There are a number of games that we've just lost based on circumstance. So when we're, when we're out here, then at the same time going, get rid of Pete Carroll, he's lost it. It's over or get rid of Brian, uh, uh, John Schneider. Uh, he's lost it. It's over. I find that just like so short-sighted and like dismissive of the work they can do. And maybe there's room for rearrangement. Maybe we call the coaching staff so that it's down to you know, a couple of primary voices and get rid of Ken Norton Jr. And get rid of Ken Norton Jr. Because he's bad. Uh, <laughs> but I think I, I just think that I have this problem with this jerk, knee jerk reaction of like, well, it's over. I think it's worth examining, but this could be the one bad season. Why do we automatically assume that because we're having one bad season, it's the end of everything? I think there's been a lot of stuff bubbling under the surface and this, this whole off season, uh, I don't even know how to call it drama, uh, between the quarterback and the organization and calling out Pete Carroll, uh, and the, uh, front office decision-making with how to put together the offensive line. It just seems, I think in the minds and the minds of a lot of, not just knee-jerk fans, but, you know, I mean, analytical, you know, football journalists that sort of think that this is probably going to come to the end, that at the end of this season, there's a strong likelihood that the power trio of those individuals is going to break up in some form or another. Um, And I think people are bracing for it, you know, and I, you know, I think it's, you know, it's, 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 I can understand how it's frustrating that this is like, this going to be this continual thing, but I just don't see it going away. You know, it's either going to, yeah, it's just going to be, it's going to be there. The rush to judgment yelling for people's heads and all of that does go back to the off season when there was, that was all anyone was talking about. So I think people came into this season kind of at a seven and were we're ready if if anyone was failing to to just point the finger and say well this has to change because i'm with you a lot of that lots of teams have an off season and and we have been so fortunate in having the luck go our way when we needed it to and and sneaking into playoffs if we had to and just always finding ourselves there and that's not happening this year and i think you're right there's a lot of games where it's like one small thing is the difference uh, between the win and the loss. Um, But I also look at another team like the lions where, you know, (laughs) the poor lions. Right. But if you (laughs) look at it, almost all of their games are lost by one score. They're lost in the fourth quarter. I mean, talk about just every game being a heartbreaker when you're Mm -hmm. all the way down there. So there is a certain amount of like, are we really complaining about this team? Like it needs work, but I'm not sure we should blow it up. Well, I don't know. And I, I, there's still a lot of season left to play, even though uh, the Seahawks are all but out of playoff contention. Um, I think that 
you know, the coaching and the players still have a lot to play for, for their sure. careers. Ask um, me next and- week and I'll tell you, blow it up. I mean, that's the other part is every week. I feel differently. If if Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers come in and whoop up on the Seahawks, Millie, uh, do you have a score for us? Do you have a prediction? Oh, goodness gracious. Is uh, Garoppolo the quarterback? I don't even know who the quarterback is with that team sometimes. I don't think that team knows, to be quite honest. (laughs) Um, And and that's one thing that uh, the Seahawks have over the 49ers. So we know who our quarterback is. Oh gosh, what do I think? Oh, I think we're probably gonna get trounced by a lot. I'm gonna go 27-13 49ers. Ooh. All right. Millie, uh, she's she's jumping off the bandwagon. Curtis, what do you got? <sighs> 35. Whoa. 35, 13, 49ers. They're the gonna, defense oh, is not oh, the problem. They're going to roll oh, on Curtis. this team. They're, oh, they're, they're better in the trenches. I keep telling oh, you people. Every, I know, but these teams Curtis. are better than Seattle in the trenches. They're that better team than Seattle is in the come trenches, into, but they're come not going to come in. Field, and they are going to roll on a limping Seattle Seahawks team that doesn't even know what they are offensively. They don't even know what they are offensively. The, the, get... this, the Seahawks have stolen his heart and they set it I on was, fire. If I, if I was Jody Allen, I would call <laughs> Pete Carroll's offense and I would say, do not fucking start Russell Wilson. You put Geno Smith into that game because <laughs> I do not want my star fucking quarterback to get killed. I don't think uh, I don't think I don't think Russ would uh, would take too kindly to that. Yeah. I don't By the way, Russell would. Wilson. Did anybody watch his post post uh, game uh, presser? I didn't even think there was one. Was there? Yeah, there was. He was. It looked like he, so. Apparently, after the game, he and Bobby Wagner, I think it was, maybe it was Tyler Lockett. I can't remember now. Had a real heart to heart with the team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, a real leadership moment and, you know, like talking to the team and, uh, it looked at me like his eyes were kind of puffy and they were a little wet. I think Russell Wilson, he, I think he got a little emotional in that locker room. I think he really does love that team. Yeah, but here yeah. He does. yeah. I think he does. Yeah. I don't, and buy, I, think, I don't buy this narrative that Russell Wilson wants to leave Seattle. No, I don't. I, I don't I'll, be, I'll, I'll be, I'll be straight up with that. I'm, I'm not yeah. buying this whole, you know, take that Russell Wilson is like, you know, nearing two feet out the door. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will he, say, I, I think, he, yeah. Uh, I, I've never seen Russell Wilson or Pete Carroll this uh, exhausted. Mm-hmm. Like usually you can see in both of them, like there's that fight, like they still believe that there's a chance. I see that fight is gone from both of them. Like they're so sad. Yeah. The hubris caught up to him and bit him in the ass like a great white shark. Before the game on like the Monday night countdown, they were doing an interview with him and they asked him about his relationship with Pete Carroll and if it had changed or, you know, there's reports, blah, blah, blah. And of course, you know, he was like, no, like, we're good. We're friends. Like, you know, saying all these positive things, but the footage they were showing, and I'm assuming this was on purpose, but it was like the two of them on the sideline 
but they're not talking to each other and they're about six feet apart staring straight ahead and i'm like are you trying to like juxtapose this this moment with what there he's saying are. because yeah. usually they show them you know talking together their heads together you know chatting away especially for when he was on the sideline and couldn't play there's all kinds of footage that you could use uh, the, the 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 i mean just alana i'm sorry to say it but the 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 the, the pete carroll russell wilson divorce narrative is like it is on crack fucking cocaine right now and it is not gonna <laughs> let's like, not use that terminology now. though like well, it's on hyperdrive that's fine it's 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 by, by, yeah. yeah thank you yeah. um i need alana's uh prediction for the 40 yeah so curtis has so, the seahawks I mean, like, losing by three touchdowns what do you I got just, i i i think it's going to be 18 12 san francisco i don't think that san francisco uh offense is like world beaters i think that i agree that they're better in the trenches i think that san francisco is going to win I think it's going to come down to this nonsense, crazy, wild ending um, uh, or uh, ludicrous ending like we just had. There are no normal Seattle Seahawks games. Uh, last night was a definitive example of that. But that defense has not given up 35 points. I'm sorry. They just had, you know, games against Green Bay, Arizona, uh, who are two premier offenses who have good linemen and Arizona's smoking people though or San Francisco's smoking people lately though they're like yeah but they're not yeah, gonna give just, up 35 I, yeah, I we'll see we'll see I uh uh so what's your prediction then Alana you're you're saying 18, I'm going with a weird ass score it's 1812 <laughs> it fits the the Seahawks only play weird ass games yeah uh and what they've got like the record for uh origami getting the the most ridiculous scores yeah score yeah gami like like, like getting the boys. first yeah the score gami getting the first scores ever in like a hundred years yeah uh yeah i don't know i uh i also think this is going to be like a mid-scoring game <sighs> despite what we have seen from this team the past few weeks i i this isn't the lion's this isn't the Texans. This isn't the Jaguars. This is still a decent team. It's got way too much talent. I have to believe that they're going to win. I think... <laughs> I think it's going to be... Mm, I'm going to say 20, 20 to 18. I, I'm not that... We add a touchdown to my score, and it's it's the same score. Uh, so I just two point. I just want to yeah. point out that in the last three games, uh, San Francisco has averaged uh, thirty three points a game. And yeah, but, but, yes, but, one but of those teams. The... One of those teams was one of those teams was against Jacksonville. Uh, so you can take that one out. But they scored thirty four against a Vikings team that has a pretty good defense and they scored 30 points against the Rams who have a pretty good defense. Yeah. But you know what those teams don't have the X factor that the Seahawks do. We are 49ers kryptonite. Yeah. And this is, I choose to believe sometimes sports just comes down to energy and uh, chemistry and vibe baby. Yeah. 
I, I, I like, I, I, you know, forget analytics. I don't give me the, the scores and the averages. I'm pure vibes, baby. I'm just going to like, I'm feeling the energy in sports. That's where I'm talking about vibes. You know what I want to talk about, Daniel? <laughs> What's that? I want to talk about Robbie Ray's pants. <laughs> Did you see it's, that? He's got his own Twitter. He's got, it's got his own Twitter and they're trying to decide if it should continue as a Robbie, Robbie Ray fan site because they're all uh, Blue Jays fans since he's coming to seattle and it's like please well, uh, please keep it going i i like it so you know like yeah the mariners made two pretty pretty fun moves so they're betting on robbie ray being their ace uh i think that's a good bet um yeah. uh i think he's really uh he, he's had flashes before of course he won the cy young and i think he's kind of figured it out not only that but safeco is um you know that's the pitcher's stadium um, especially mm-hmm. for a guy like Robbie Ray, who can occasionally like give one up for like a hard hit. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, Adam Frazier coming in, uh, you know, he's a good bat uh, and, and kind of solving the second base issue. The Mariners are going for it. Uh, those two moves uh, that tells me that um, they're going all in on like world series. They believe in this team. I well, don't think they're, they're done. No, I, I, I mean, they, they are done for a while right yeah. now because of the lockout. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, they're premier in the talks with Chris Bryant. Um, and too. DePoto said that he didn't say who the player was, but he said they had a good offer on the table for a premier player that um, just went to another team. Another team. It was Baez. Was it Baez? Yeah, because they were they were right in line in the conversations with Baez, and they are with Bryant. And then, so if they pick up Bryant and another top line, you know, a a minus pitcher, like we we're going to have killer rotation. Agreed. I think like there are two pieces I think that Mariners team needs to really just put them over the top. It's that other sort of like ace pitcher. We need like another, just like a, a pitcher and maybe a big bat, like a big bat DH who can just, (laughs) yeah, just like smoke it. Right. Yeah. He's a third baseman too, by the way. Oh yeah, totally. Which is another position of need. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But uh, I don't know. That got me really excited. Now the only thing that the only thing I fear is that the season's going to get wiped out. We build up all this excitement, I and know, I feel like the I last know. time we had a uh, a really exciting opportunity with the Mariners uh, of this caliber, I think part of the season that got wiped out too um, back in the '90s. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's a real disappointing perspe- uh, perspective or possibility that we might not get to see what the Mariners put together for 2022. That would just kind of be the most Seattle sports thing to uh, happen at this city and the Mariners. Mar- um, but I choose uh, Millie, how do you feel? I'm super excited for the Mariners next season. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I have to say with, with most of my sports teams, I am really bad at paying attention in the off season. Um, So when I heard about this, I I did get really excited because it's what we talked about, right? I mean, he's a Cy Young winner. It's exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. Um, But 
I always have to just temper everything with the Mariners because I really want it to happen. I, I want know. it. I just want it to be. And so um, I'm just looking forward to it happening. Hopefully it all, you know, happens. And um, that's really all I have to say about the Mariners. Go M's. Yeah. Go M's. <laughs> it's, it's exciting time. And uh, there's another Seattle sports team that's been doing okay. Like they went on a six game skid. It's our expansion team, the Kraken. Uh, uh, they hate, they, they crawled out of last place in their division. So, you know, that's good. Yeah. But the way they're doing it, I think is really fun. So, you know, they went on a six game skid uh, and then they ended up winning their, they've now won four of their last five and they beat like three of the best teams in the NHL. And they're, I, here's what makes me really excited about this is that in the beginning of the season, they were clearly an expansion team. They're trying the line chemistries. No, but you know, this team hasn't played with each other at all. Um, and I think they're really starting to figure it out. I think they're, uh, they're finally starting to sort of solidify their line combinations that are working really well. Um, the goaltending, which hasn't been spectacular. In fact, it's kind of been um, near the worst in the league in the last five games have, have started coming on strong. Grubauer is playing a lot like the Grubauer, um, uh, you know, we brought him in for. Um, Drieger uh, played an incredible game against his former team, the Carolina Panthers, uh, that we whooped on four to one. That was really fun. Uh, How's the Lazar looking? What's that? How's the czar looking? I, uh, I, I, I haven't been paying attention. The, the, the players that I've really been paying attention to is Eberly, who's like actually a 10th in the league in goals uh, made, which is really cool. He mm-hmm. was the one who got the, uh, the hat trick, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, three weeks ago. Um, Yanni Gord, the hot shot center has really started coming on. Uh, Schwartzy uh, has been amazing. He hasn't had many goals, but he's got stupid like 12 assists or 15 assists or something like that. Um, and then uh, Brandon Tanev, uh, who is sort of like becoming the um, expansion team Kraken folk hero, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just that the, the favorite player you can rally behind because he's weird and quirky and wears his heart on his sleeve. He is delightful. He is <laughs> delightful. He's got such, he, you know, he's, but he, when, when we, in the LOB days, the Seahawks were chock full of characters like Brandon Tanev with, you know, Richard Sherman and Michael Bennett and these guys who are unapologetically themselves. Mm-hmm. That's who Brandon mm-hmm. Tanev is. And on top of that, uh, he's been scoring some goals and he's a big hitter, uh, which is always really fun to watch in hockey is a dude who's just will, you know, go after somebody on the boards. I would just say it real quick. I love during the expansion draft when they took, uh, Tanev, he showed up and the announcers were like, you're going to love this guy, Seattle. He's <laughs> He just plays with his heart on his sleeve and he balls out every game or pucks out every game. Uh, yeah. And it, it, that is proven true. Go ahead, Millie. It has proven true. Oh, so at uh, at the game, so I went to the game uh, November 17th against the Blackhawks. And uh, one of the fun things they do, you know, they always do this, the camera on, on the crowd. Uh-huh. And what there's a Tanev cam. And so when they focus in on you, everybody does their, their, the 
the big eye, the big eyes and the face, and they all try to like give their best tan. Oh, his, uh, his headshot. He looks like he yeah. just saw a ghost. Yeah. 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 So everybody like tries to match it. Um, yeah. Which is, which is fun. So that's a thing. Um, and that was one of, I already liked him because he is, he's so our kind of person here in Seattle. Totally. And he's um, got the long hair and the whole grunge thing. But it was the end of uh, it was the end of a period and he's coming off and you know, we're losing and we're losing bad. They didn't score until the third. Uh, yeah, in, that was that a rough game. game. And the camera, you know, it wasn't like on him. It was on all the, all the folks leaving as they're, they're coming off the ice and his facial expressions. He's just as somebody who has a face that's constantly making, emoting. <laughs> yes emoting thank you um i get it but like i realize not everyone can visually see what i'm doing so he he did one of those you know he just he, he blew out the air and he's shaking his head like i don't know what just happened so he was just like <sighs> like just as he's walking off the ice and down the hall you know i, I was just like oh yeah we would be friends <laughs> 100 yeah he's seattle yeah brandon tanev is is very much in seattle a Seattle personality. Uh, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what's going to come next with this Kraken team. Um, uh, it, it, it's nothing but going up for them, and uh, you know, um, they're actually not that far back from like wild card contention. No, and it's no. still so early in the season. Um, so, yeah, it'll be fun. I like them. Go Kraken. Go Kraken. Uh, why don't we dork out a bit? Did anybody? I watched uh, the first two episodes of Hawkeye, which I was really looking forward to. Anybody else? Curtis? I've seen the first one. I haven't seen, seen the first the one. Alana, one. I know you no saw spoilers yeah. on the second one. The episodes. Millie? I've seen the first two. Devin and all I. All right, there watching. you go. So we all saw some Hawkeye. Uh, Alana, what'd you think? What'd you see? Oh, you know, it's it's funny because I don't care about that character uh, and I don't care about Jeremy Renner. Um, and the guy who created it isn't, doesn't have any real impact for me. So I kind of approached it with some trepidation, uh, but I was charmed by it. I was totally charmed by it, uh, because it was a story that, you know, it's just your classic Christmas story, um, Christmas, like Die Hard. It's basically Die Hard, but in the Marvel world, um, the, the, things that make it different from the other Marvel TV series offerings, the low level stakes, the like crime happening in, in the streets, the, uh, the utter comic bookness of the dialogue and the action sequences. I mean, I, which I love, I loved it. I thought it was great. It was such a style change from the other things they were doing. Yeah. Um, and uh, these villains that are just hammy and big and like, we, we can get into whether or not, um, Jack, it, it, the swordsman, is actually villainous or not. Like, I have some predictions around that, but I don't want to spoil anything for Curtis. Um, no, no, don't spoil anything. That's that's <laughs> what I said. Uh, but, like, then, then Rogers the Musical was... Oh, wild. my God, that was so good. It was just like, thank you Ow. so much. Um, if, uh, but I do want to give you a warning... Curtis, if you play, if you're playing the little drummer boy challenge, you will, there are, there will be a part while you're, where you'll have to mute the TV 
Yeah, I like the little drummer boy. I, I don't know why people hate that song. Because it's I, terrible. I don't understand why they do that challenge every because... year. I think it's stupid. <laughs> because... it's just my, 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 my Facebook feed is all about like, oh, I lost. I'm out. I was at a shopping mall. I just, I don't know. I just. Well, I, uh, if it's you a watch, harbinger uh... of Christmas. That's all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> I actually, I had been warned about that and the hubs and I watched it and neither one of us actually noticed it happening. So yeah, I missed it too. It yeah. pulled Beth out of a nap. She was <laughs> like, are you, are you fucking serious? You said it wasn't in the episode. And I was like, I didn't notice it the first time. I actually wasn't noticing it the second time until you called it out. <laughs> so I just yeah. want to ask the question, where did the little drummer boy challenge, where did this come from? Where did this- It was, fr it was some, from some uh, coders in like California 15 years ago. It's just like- they And then of course with the internet, it just goes on wild. I don't hate the song either. I actually think it's just kind of fun to avoid it and not avoid it. And so when it happens, it's just, I don't know, it's for now it's become part of my season is yeah. like, when, when does it happen that I finally hear the little drummer boy? And then once it happens, I go and I watch the, uh, the Bing Crosby, David Bowie version. David Bowie. Yeah. Uh, what's the, what, how, what's the longest you've lasted? I've made it. I made it one, uh, I think two years I made it, oh, but wow. I, um, you know, I, I don't, I guess I don't find myself in too many situations with a lot of Christmas music. I used yeah. to work retail and the first So you year, were out the first week. Um, yeah, when the first year, cause I played year one. Um, I just found out about it and uh, was working retail at the time. So I was out immediately. But as soon as I got out of, I've, I've finished it four or five times um, because I don't, I don't celebrate Christmas. So I don't have a lot of reason to be in places where like Christmas is being celebrated. Um, right. So I tend to avoid malls and shit during this season. Uh, I try and get all like my Hanukkah shopping done in advance of the, the break. So yeah, I think, I think it's fair to say that we are all also dorking out on the, out on the little drummer boy challenge. <laughs> um, we are. Yeah. I also dorked out a little bit on the, uh, west side hanukkah story uh if you have seen if not seen that yet that is a really fun uh thing on i guess youtube that's going I around will, i will look that up because yeah me too sounds, west, like side. West, side west, hanukkah story. west side hanukkah story they right. basically took songs from west side story and okay. uh made it a hanukkah theme it's it's uh it's really great and if you continue to the end they sort of talk about their their program because they I guess they've done other videos and stuff I'd never seen them before but uh it's it's an acapella men's group and um it's it's worth the five minutes of your time it's it's a lot of fun and it's really well done um, check it out. yeah I also wanted to call out that the opening credit scene for Hawkeye was straight fire um and the music in that was awesome yeah I agree. And yeah, uh, I, I really love um, uh, the young gal who plays uh, Kate Haley Bishop. Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld. I think she's terrific. Mm -hmm. um, she's she's she got a great... She's in True Grit, right? Was she in the True yeah. Grit? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's cool. She's also... Yeah. She also plays Emily Dickinson in the Dickinson TV show. 
she's got a a really great delivery for that Marvel quip. Yeah. Yeah. I think she and Tom Holland, like she's, she's quippy. Yeah. Got that nice quip. I will say one of the things I'm enjoying about Hawkeye too is be, you know, this, her story and her mother and all this stuff. I do not know where this is going and I'm not sure, you know, uh, and maybe the lines are really blurry on who's a good person and who's not within that uh, family as well. So um, I'm enjoying seeing where that goes because I, I don't know right away how it's going to go. And I always, I don't either. There's a part of me that thinks uh, the, the, um, the, her mom's fiance, uh, the, the low rent Paul F. Tompkins. Yeah. Um, Thank you. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, is he a red herring or is he actually a villain? There's going to be a showdown. I I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm I, guess, some, I, I, I got some I, real strong feelings about that character that I want to share, but I'm I'm holding out uh, with respect to Curtis. That's right. Yep. Yeah, and we'll right. we'll see we'll see. I I, I don't know where the story's going yet, and uh, that makes me happy. Yeah. Um, I also kind of like that it is kind of a traditional Marvel story that we haven't seen a lot in their TV shows, but with I don't know, like, um, I don't even know how to describe it really. It, it feels very traditionally Marvel. It's just these heroes doing, you know, fighting some bad guys and they're not trying to do anything with the genre or anything like that, but they're just doing it so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. All right. Can I just, can I just shout out really quickly, um, not a Marvel show, but last night's episode or Sunday's episode of Succession. Um, uh-huh. Uh, directed by Lorene uh, Scafria. I can't, I think that's her last name. Um, she's Bo Burnham's girlfriend uh, oh. and who also directed Hustlers. But it was just like, it was such a good episode and it was sad, Kendall. It, it was, was sad, like, Kendall. It was such Tom a great episode. Over a desk. I, I was going to say, uh, 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 Tom, who thinks he's not going to go to jail anymore and just uh, going in and uh, flipping some tasks. Um, and then telling everybody at the party, uh, I'm not going to jail. Right. And then saying, I did the wrong drugs in the wrong order. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it was these last two episodes of Succession are like two classics, two all time greats. Succession is a TV show that has no right being as good as it is. Right. Yeah, it's just like one of the most well-written shows I have ever watched. And they get improv takes. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, that's some, I mean, a lot of it is improv. I can see Karen Colgan being amazing right, at that. Right. Well, and everybody does improv except Kendall because he just locks himself. He's in like a, he's like a super yeah, yeah, method yeah. actor. Yeah, yeah, he's a very serious method guy. Yeah, uh, oh he God. did excellent work types. though. That was. <laughs> oh, you would hate this guy. I read uh, like a whole uh, profile uh, on him. I don't dig with those dice. <laughs> no, no. Jeremy Strong. Just yeah, let yeah. me riff. <laughs> right. Yeah. They cut whenever. And like, yeah. No. So All catch right. up on succession. It's great. It's terrific. It's it's just a fun show. I, I'm done, Dorkin. Are you done, Dorkin? Yes. All right. Let's let's call it. Uh, you should, uh, you know, like uh, follow this show and uh, tell your friends if you like it. Go uh, also uh, check out Curtis's blog, 12 Life, uh, 12life.com. He's always got some great stuff going on there. And he's been very honest 
with the Seahawks this season. You know, it ain't just like, it's not just a homer block. Yeah. All right. So go check that out. Uh, Follow us, like us, share us, all that good stuff. Once again, my name is Daniel. For Lana, Curtis, Millie, and the rest of 12s, saying goodbye and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Hawks.